everybody. Welcome to Nexus at Night. If you're wondering why we're not doing the set review this week, the Mega Colony Stride is that bad. I'm Atlas. I'm Matt. I'm Rupier. And I'm Commander Jaime. Hi, Welcome. everyone. Welcome Hello. Back. Well, thank you. <laughs> I know it's been a while. Yeah. So what are we, we talking exist. about today? So uh, today we're doing another uh, premium profile, which the last time we did it, I believe it was 2019. So way to stay consistent. It. Nexus at night. Um, so today we're doing Grand Blue, which uh, Commander Jaime, you got your start as an Aqua Force guy, but uh, Wave Nation beats you to the punch. But that's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, I was had... I was out of the ocean and he took over <laughs> while I was away. Yeah, you just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth when we were doing the Aqua Force one, so we yeah, had to find the substitute. Wave Nation did a good job, too. I still talk to Wave Nation. He's a really good guy, too. So if anyone was to do it, definitely him. Are you guys, like, some kind of rivals or anything like that? Or is it just, like, a no. strong no, nothing respect at all. for each other? Yeah. Pretty much respect. Um, we're on Force of the Ocean, like, on the Discord So for the Aqua Force block. So we're always, like, chatting. Um, I know he's been away, actually. What's kind of funny, it's vice versa now. That's <laughs> he's been a little away now. <laughs> but, um, but he's still like, chiming in and everything. Sorry, Life does that. Life does that yeah. occasionally. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and and I have my own YouTube channel, so I am one who gets crits, Commander Jaime. So those that don't know, um, my main focus on the channel is Aqua Force content, both for casual and competitive. Um, but I do have other clans on there, like Grand Blue, and that's part of the reason why I'm on this um, episode. And so, yeah, let's just start it. Yeah. So uh, the general shape of what these episodes typically look like i forget in between each episode because it takes so long for us to do it i went back and listened to the great nature one and then the aqua force one and the di one and they're all completely different so uh nice. yeah professionalism but um judging by what we've done in the past i think uh we should start with the competitive history of grand blue perfect Perfect. And I and I think one of the probably the best spots to begin is really the Giera. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Did, was Grand Blue even a real clan before Giera? They not were really. not. They were my Grand Blue was my first clan ever, and I started playing Vanguard in like its early, early days, like BTO six. So mm -hmm. that was right after what where they did the set one, set two, jump to set six thing. Where oh like, yeah, Kokitis and all that good stuff. So, uh, Grand Blue was kind of you had to like pay one or two counterblast for one card. Everything was very yeah. uh, limited. Overcosted, yeah. Mm -hmm. Overcosted, yeah. And then yeah. near the near the end of uh, the original era with Legion, you got Pinot Noir and all them, but it didn't really make an impact because you had things like. Bluish Flames and uh, the Cogger mm. Legion and Abyss. Abyss and I guess Blaster Joker, but I don't think that was really making a lot of waves. But uh, This is a Gramble episode, not an Aqua Force episode, Alice. You, you, <laughs> you shut your accurate mouth. Um, <laughs> for real. Uh, I think I could take it from there. So really in Giera, once we got the Night Rose Triad deck, that's when things really started kicking for Grand Blue. Um, so right off the bat with the Trial deck and then the first wave of support, both um, 
Night Rose and Seven Seas were viable decks. Uh, so first off, Seven Seas just had a better showing. Um, a lot of the support was like the Grade 3 Nightmist, the Break Ride. Um, and of course, having access to Strides now. Um, because before, Grand Blue was still not enough. Even though you had the, the Nightmist Stride, you still needed more. And that's where the Phantasm Night Rose came in. So that way you can do the, the Break Ride turn. And then of course, do the Phantasm to extend more attacks during the battle phase. So that was really the deck's winning image. And then for Night Rose... Um, it really didn't start kicking more until, like, the next set after that. So, basically, it started outpacing 7Cs, or at least what people call 7Cs proper. Um, so, Nyra started getting more quality support, like in Tepes, um, calling Gauche. That's the one that we're just able to spam a few on first try due to the amount of cards in our soul. <laughs> um, very phenomenal card. And then we have access to, like, cards like Negrobone and Negrolazy to extend attack. So... Night Rose was becoming a multi-attack um, deck that it even surpassed Aqua Force at the time, too, with the number of attacks and even the sheer power of it. Um, I think in the previous episode, I think even Matt alluded to that Night Rose just had a lot of branching to make, like decision-making. Uh, did you want to highlight on that, Matt? Yeah, so um, the... When the when the night rose, uh, the I guess there's a few uh, things that mattered here. Uh, the first is that it called a fair number of units for a fairly not terrible cost. But the real mm -hmm. one is that there was a uh, grade zero named Grenache who uh, had hollow. When it died, you could uh, uh, counter charge two. Yeah. And it worked very favorably with Night Rose's GB two skill that could uh, well counter charge four if you really wanted, or just leave something on field that you desire. Mm -hmm. um, but the where the decision making came in is the Night Rose call, Night Rose had a, a lot of things to call during battle. Like uh, the important one was uh, what uh, Negrobone, yes, uh, which is a great one. When it boosted, you would counterblast one, uh, retire the rearguard in the same column, and call a new thing. Yep. I believe that's correct. <clears throat> Cause a hollow unit. Yep. Cause a hollow unit. Right. <laughs> it's like I'm missing something. Uh, and so you could really adjust your attack order during the battle phase better than really any other clan can do. If you look at a clan like Aqua Force, you're pretty much setting up your battle phase like before you even like you're not adding new units to the battle phase and making making as many decisions in the battle phase as far as what is attacking. You're the decisions you're making in Grand Blue are not is not only when to attack but what to attack with, and so mm -hmm. you can really react well to triggers on damage. Yeah. yeah good example <clears throat> actually one of the things i wanted to say is that that was when back then when triggers were 5k so if an 11k vanguard got a trigger that were 16k we still were able to make columns that were 16k and up and even in a car like negro rook which is a hollow unit that just became a 16k by himself so he's able to just like poke the vanguard still on top of that um with also another thing with grand blue is that mm -hmm has an advantage over most other clans just in its uh, gimmick where because yes. of how the game works everything that you're doing is then feeding into your offense on the next turn because it's your drop zone yes um, and that's just the thing that Grand Blue has had the advantage for uh, the entirety of its history to varying degrees of effect but yeah. it's just and... Uh, I was going to say, like, at the time, even when Night Rose was at its peak, it could counter a lot of clans like 
uh, Narukami and Link Joker simply because the hollow ability cleared your board, and so at the time they just had no way to deal with that. So there, it was really hard to kind of check Night Rose either with any kind of field control. Yes, that's correct too. And then also, wasn't uh, the big competitor for Night Rose what, at the time was Deer Chronicle, right? That was its heyday. With uh, yeah, the time, like, yeah. It was I basically think... the triangle meta, like with Luar, Time Leap, and Night Rose. Yeah, I think even before that, there was also uh, Sanctuary Blasters. I think was making. Mm. That yeah. was, I think that was really early into Night Rose when Grade 1 Rush was also a thing, though. Yeah, that's definitely true, because um, Sanctuary Guard was a definitely a big contender. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with Night Rose being a G-deck, you didn't have anything available to you before you stride, and so you had to play that matchup very smart until you were able to do your own things. Yeah. And, and I guess one of the things that I, I kind of want to go back to is like what Alice had mentioned. Grand Blue before had a lot of overcosted skills to just bring rearguards. Um, before, there wasn't really anything worth bringing back from the drop zone to really take advantage of. And really, the G the G era, like in the trial deck, we got cards like Cannoneer. And honestly, Cannoneer mm-hmm. had a lot of impact. <laughs> just being able to on-call from drop, hollow it, counter blast, kill something, and draw a card. And then, of course, just being able to, to call it during the battle phase on your opponent's turn to, like, basically pseudo-denial Griffin. Mm-hmm. That was very impactful, especially against Wiseman. Yeah. <laughs> that pretty much uh, made, uh, I think that the, like, I think uh, that came with, uh, what was the, what was the G-Guardian's name, Negrolily? Yes, Negrolily. Yeah. Uh, that was when, I think, at, like, with, when that set came out, everyone knew Night Rose was good. Like, there oh, was yeah. no longer a question. <laughs> Like you now <laughs> had the defense from a lot of the crazy combo plays the other deck could the other decks could make, in addition to a new really godlike first stride and gauche. Yeah, and then also just a lot of the older rear guards now could kind of uh, come to life. Things like uh, Nightstorm and can't remember what the other one was, but there was something that could go with it to help you adjust your combos mid battle phase. Like Hyman, probably. Mm. Probably. Not. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Like, Jaime, you brought up that uh, the old uh, skills were pretty overcosted to bring stuff back, but Gauche was kind of like the uh, the full, uh, like, it was just like, well, how about Counterblast 1, Soul Blast X to call X minus 1? And you're like, yeah, yeah I'm down. <laughs> right. It was, was Pale Moon better than Pale Moon could Pale Moon. Yes. <laughs> so says a Pale Moon player. I was like... Okay, I don't understand how you can be that, but Mephisto has to be flip something face up and you can call one card for every two things face up. Yeah. Like, what are yeah, you that doing? Was allowed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and to really promote that turn, Rough Seas Banshee the Crit, that was actually from a very old set, actually That's came into much. play. <laughs> yeah, you just call it as soon as you saw it and Soul Charge and draw it. Um, a card so basically you dig deeper into your deck anyways and then once you have that stride turn you just soul blast and you could even just put those crits even back again to just really plus one into hand advantage which was mm-hmm. very important to survive for the following turn and really you know put the the nail on the coffin per se and match I, actually up. Think, I actually think rough seas banshee uh also like gave a lot of really interesting questions 
Um, and part of the reason why Giera is like so well liked is that you could talk about whether or not in certain hands and certain matchups you should even put that rule of Rusty's Banshee into Soul or maybe you know the second one, right? You're like, oh, I'll put yep. the first one in, but is the second one worth it in this matchup? You know, is something is a question you have to ask. So I thought it uh, asked a lot of really interesting questions just to the to to the player of the deck. Yes, it wasn't like a, a brain dead deck for sure because like. Where the shield value may come into value is like a deck against Sanctuary Guard, where they're, they're just going to go ham early on, and you might need the actual guard <laughs> instead mm -hmm. of the Soul Charge and Blind Draw. That's what I like about Grand Blue. Like, this is probably the highest heights that Grand Blue has soared to, was during this era. But it's arguably the only deck that really requires a lot of strategy and mm -hmm. planning of its pilot oh. compared to I other yeah. decks. Which tend to be brain dead, depending on what it is. I think uh, gears and I, I think that gears, night rose, um, sanctuary guard, uh, you know, that era was pretty interesting. Like I think a lot of the decks were like pretty hard, which yeah. is which is part yeah. of what made it really cool. And I think that was true for a lot of later G era, is that the decks were just pretty difficult, just because you know everyone was kind of doing crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's very true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I it was mean, really yeah. cool. Oh, go ahead. Our favorite era, you know, give or take, is like is late G era before those last two sets where they just threw everything out the window, like right before Xerath Dragons. <laughs> yeah, Xerath Dragons were something else. Yeah, yeah. GBT eleven and twelve, I think, was the the, oh, the yeah. last vestige <laughs> of interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to note with Night Roses too, is uh, back to the the decision making. Um, I know that I mentioned the pseudo denial Griffin play, but you were able to just bring back a Negro Lazy, uh, which is basically on plays, kind of blast, old blast, call something from drop, and then if you hollow it and it dies due to hollow, you can counter charge and soul charge. But what you end up with doing, you can actually bring him back with the GB2 skill, bring back a Nosh without hollowing the. Um, the Negro Lazy, so you can get the counter charge four. And then later mm -hmm. on, you can do the Negro Lazy play. And then you had a choice to bring whatever you wanted that was grade two or less. So cards like Mick was actually some viable options that you like to bring because um, if you call Mick during the battle phase on your opponent's turn, then you make your Vanguard 21k base, which actually mattered too. Oh, I forgot about that. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. That was really huge too. And. Another thing that, that people, I think, miss, and it, it took me a while to realize this, too, but um, Night Rose has a, somewhat of an ability to actually remove locked units, too. So if you're facing against Link Joker, then normal locked units for you, during the end phase, they will unlock. And so a sequence that you would do is that you made sure that you had a Lakar like a, a Negro Lazy or any hollow unit, per se, um, during your turn. And by the turn you ended your turn, you unstride, you unlock your units, then your unit dies to hollow. Then you use Night Rose to GP2 skill to bring that unit back. Call it on the unlocked unit, and thus it will retire that unit. And then if you want to lock or remove another one, you would just hollow it, call a Garnash onto the other circle where the other unlock rigor was to kill it, and then hollow re-triggers again, and then those units die, and now you've wiped your field, making the Link Joker player actually work for it again, basically. 
Yeah, that's uh, mm-hmm. that took me a really long time to wrap my head around the first time as well, just because it really you, it really makes you understand how the end phase works. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we did an entire episode about this because it was just that confusing. Yeah, it really was. Well, because yeah. like in your head, you think of the end phase as like a few seconds. You're like, okay, yes. I'm done. But it's like, okay, I'm done. Okay, wait, stand and drop. No, no, no. When I say done, I mean this is gonna take a few minutes. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a controversy, or not really a controversy, but it was like, why couldn't I countercharge or soul charge with uh, Negro Lazy, but I can countercharge too with Grenache? And Bushi tried their best to really explain it, and it really came down to red text skills that are gained versus hard text on a card kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's some diplomatic. So it made the end phase more confusing. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should we talk about Seven Seas Grade One or Seven Runner? Uh, Probably. Yes. Yeah, Go let's talk it. about it. The elephant in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is th- th- relevant. That's, that's why I bring it up. It's it, it is the elephant in the room. <laughs> it's the grade one elephant in the room. Not kidding. <laughs> um, but so for those that don't know, back then, basically you you weren't able to stride until your opponent was a grade three. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if Sabrina's. Ex- I think so, yes, yeah, Sabrina's existed by then. So if your opponent yeah. was a grade two, oh yeah, go ahead. Sabri- I was going to clarify, but since you're just describing the skill anyways, you can go ahead. <laughs> With Sabreeze, is that basically if your opponent stayed at grade 2, like they didn't ride during the ride phase, you can counterblast and stride it from the G zone. So that way you can enable generation break. However, again, because it's called grade 1 7 Cs, is that what they focus is just staying on grade 1 for the majority of the game, if not all the game, and really just beat you down with um, just like that, really. Yeah. <laughs> And it's funny, Sabreeze was created because the year before, Ripples existed, and Ripples like to stay on grade 2. Yes, exactly for that reason, too. So how do you beat that? You just don't leave grade 1. Yeah. That's basically what they thought, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and we will note that Bushiro did finally change the rules around that after G-Era ended. That's that's also very true. They just you want to ha- go explain it? Uh, yeah, sure. So basically, they changed the ruling so that now, if you're on grade three for more than one turn, you can stride regardless of your opponent's grade. Because in the transition to V era, we're gonna have they're gonna have a whole bunch of early game cards with early game skills, and premium would just be really boring if everyone stayed at grade two with whatever grade two skills they have and no one ever strode. Right, exactly. That's a very good point. And I guess the other notable thing about Seven Runner is it just took so long for Bushiro to deal with it. Because it won, it won Worlds. It was first and second, right? Yeah. It, and it, then... It was the second year in a row of them getting their asses handed to them by... Yeah. Like, Bushiro will do this thing where they're like, okay here's the new stuff, and then somebody will go, that's dumb, I'm going to do this instead, and then it ends up winning worlds in front of everybody in the internet, and they're like, shit, we got to fix this. So this happened with yeah. Ripples originally, and then Seven Runner. Two years yeah. ago. And the thing about Seven Runner is it took like three different bands before they finally actually killed the deck. They killed Spinal, right? And then they was like, well, yeah. we're done. Because <laughs> that's what allowed you to hit like really big numbers. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 thing that Bushiro did the first time, I think they hit Meg, and I'm like, why would you hit Meg? You know, 
It does mm-hmm. nothing to great one seven seas, <laughs> but it does something yeah. to night rose. <laughs> I think they they banned runner as the starter. Yeah, and then everyone was just like, "Okay, <laughs> one four of it in deck, got it." No, no, I think they hit it to one regardless, and it, oh. and it can't be Vanguard. And then people just yeah. played um, what the girl with the apple, and the, just put runner yeah. in their deck. Yeah, yep. yeah, and they're just like, "Okay, well that didn't do anything." <laughs> yeah, they were just not hitting the right cards. Yeah. I'm not sure what they were thinking, but yeah. And one of the things that I think that I think that deck is. I wouldn't say underappreciated, but I think um, it's a it's a deck that was actually able to adapt to whatever Bushi wrote through edit. And yeah, they they yeah. missed the key cards, but it was still it, it took some hits, but it it still adapted and actually still kept topping. <laughs> yeah, that so deck. it wasn't like a brain dead deck. It was actually For... like you had to think. The numbers mattered. It was infuriating <laughs> to play against because you were like, oh, I just want to do sure. the. Oh, see, that's the thing about Seven Runner is like it actually had a lot of complex strategy if you actually played it. The problem is, like, the counter of playing with a G era deck is like, okay, so you have to defend smart, you have to like harass their rear guard so they can't keep doing their call combos. And you know, if you're not playing a deck with non GB skills, it was just such a slog to get through. Bushiroad eventually started printing cards without GB skills, which you know, all of the various hits to Seven Runner's consistency hurt it, but I think the thing that really put it down finally was Dex could play the early game. Yes, I agree. Are you fellas familiar with something called the Socratic Method? <coughs> I am not. <laughs> okay, so the Socratic Method refers to Socrates, the famous philosopher, where uh, in order to take apart someone's arguments when debating with them, the key is to just keep asking questions that poke holes in their argument and let them talk Mm -hmm. themselves into a corner. So Seven Runner is basically the Socrates of Vanguard, where Bougerot is like, this is fine, and then Seven Runner is like, okay, but what about just staying on grade one forever? And they're like, okay, well, Mm -hmm. ban... Night Runner is the starter. Okay, but what if we put it in the main deck? <laughs> I see. <laughs> like it, it, it just wouldn't die. It, you, it just kept asking questions until Boucher was just like, "Fine, back we'll print normal dead. skills again." It was just doing what Grand Blue does best and just keep coming back alive, you know. <laughs> CB one revive deck. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> basically um, um, I think it's a oh go ahead Atlas I was going to say another deck that we didn't really touch on this is before Seven Runner and before I think before Night Rose really like hit the big time uh, was the Seven Seas Stride deck we did talk about that yeah we did talk about that he called it Seven Seas proper oh yep th- that's what he meant yeah that's when I was talking about like the great three night miss Mm-hmm. Um, so for just to clarify for those who are, who are listening, there's a grade three Lord of the Seven Seas Night Miss. He's a break ride. And so when you would break ride, you would actually call two rear guards and they get plus five for the turn. And so what the deck did was that we had access to the generic Giera support, which is really good. So you can use cards like Columbar, which was an attack extender. It was the Amber clone of the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Nightstorm, you had um, Cannoneer, and then of course Seven Seas even got some support which was the Slash Shade. 
in the slash shade was that on attack, your van when your Vanguard attacks, you can actually counterblast, kill something that's a grade one or less. Uh, I think it was a grade less than the card, and then just call it a rearguard. So you can actually have multi attack, and then also promote it with the Phantasm Night Rose just to get like like five solid attacks basically on top of a break ride that really took advantage of it. It was. <laughs> Seven seas, Vandor with seven seas tax, pay the cost. If you do, just call it to rear. Choose one of your grade one or greater rear guards and retire it. And it was, okay, and it got you. 2k yeah. when it attacked a Vanguard, right? So it attacked at 11? Yeah. Yeah, so it made perfect numbers. Yeah, so if you revive like a booster like Grenache or, or something else, it would make like the 16k mark pretty easily too. Yep. Was a good time. Um, it was a very solid deck, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just that Nairos eventually outpaced it with all the, the quality support that it got in the next sets. Yeah. And then, as Giera did, they put heavier emphasis on the keyword, so eventually legacy support just kind of drops off. Yeah, yeah. That's also true. Um, let's see. Was there anything else for Nairos before we move on yes. to Giera? Oh, I just, I just remember... Uh, so around the time when Mick got banned, uh, I was able to actually take Night Rose to an event and actually did really well. Um, so one of the things that people didn't realize at the time, I was actually um, in contact with a good friend of mine. His name is David Adi Pratama. He's the founder of WCC. Uh, we were at Cardfight Consulting. And he made me realize that there is a kind of like a mini loop in the deck that you can do with Negrobone and Starlight Night Rose. And... And so really honing on that as a secret um, combo, you can actually get a high number of attacks with Night Rose as well. Um, I did a video, too, that um, actually showed you could do 10 attacks in Night Rose by looping two starlights in a row, basically. Eat your heart out, mm. 10 attack, Pale Moon guy. It was 14. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So I think that's the only thing that, that was left that was worth mentioning for Night Rose. I mean, there was a lot of Night Rose stuff, to be honest, but I think we hit yeah. the mm -hmm. majority of it. The, um, I forget. Did the GBA never add anything to the deck? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> the so was good. Yeah. That, that's a good point. So the Rummy, Rummy Labyrinth set um, introduced Dragroot uh, and Necrosonger. So with Nagrosonger, mm -hmm. it's a battle extending stride. And so at the end of the battle that your Vanguard attack, you can counterblast, bring back something, and it would get plus five for every face-up card in the G-Zone. So you can really bring something uh, like a big uh, Nightstorm or a really big King Serpent to keep extending attacks. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what promoted the Starlight Loop to do so many attacks as well with that stride. Um, one of the things that helped with, with Dragoot as well because you can actually do fuel, fuel calls and retire but what people in japan were doing for a while was actually abusing mick and mick was still at four at this time and so they would call a bunch of mechs and actually retire them and return them back to the deck and then have these beefed up like columns with negro rook and negro lazy to really have your finishing turn per se on like a dragu turn really mm -hmm. i had so. to go back and look at dread it's been so long <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, uh, I really like the I really like the art on that guy. So for those that don't know, it's counterblast to discard one card, and so for every card that you have on the field, you can call that many units from the drop, and then for every unit that was a hollow unit, you can retire that many cards on your opponent's side. You could actually choose as well, 
And then if your opponent didn't have any rearguards left, you could draw a card back. So you would break even at that point. So it was a really solid, solid mm -hmm. stride at the time. But then the fighters, was it fighters collection back then? No. Yeah, it was. yeah, it was. It was fighters collection. That's when the GBA came out with Negronora, the G guard as well. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant drag So room. everybody got that. Oh, that drag loop came from the Rummy Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. That's what I was talking about with that in uh, Negrosunger. Mm -hmm. But with the Fighters Collection, we got the G Guard that flips anything, right? And that's what every clan got. But Negronar was really good. Because yeah. um, So what it does is Soul Blast, flip a G Guard, call it to two different units with different grades to the Guardian Circle and use them as shield, basically. Mm -hmm. But if you play like the old PGs that didn't state that you can place, you have to place them from hand. Um, if they were the old PGs where they can be just placed, you could actually perfect guard when you G guarded from the draft, yeah. which is really yes. awesome. Another thing people were doing at that time is they were playing Chappie the Ghosty, the 10K grade zero, so that when you it placed in, when it's retired from guard circle, or I, I don't remember the timing on it, Guardian circle. but mm -hmm. yeah, it's, uh, you can search your deck for a card and put it in drop zone. Yep, as soon as you place it on the Guardian Circle, you could just search wherever you want and dump it in the drop. Yep. So that card was a super good setup for a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. So you could even do it when you G-Guard. So you're not only G-Guarding, getting the, the 10k shield value of a grade 0, you're also getting some filtering on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just also it's nice. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what it did since it flipped G-Guards, it accelerated you to GB8. And the GBA was basically when you would, you know, call it on Vanguard Circle, you can bring up to five units, they each get 10k, and they die at the end of the turn. But it was all free. Yep. So if you had no counterblast, you could even revive units like King Serpent to refund a countercharge, basically, mm -hmm. to actually extend more attacks with, like, uh, a Nightstorm or a Columbard or a Negrobone. And you have these beefed up units that are just hitting hard <laughs> and actually mm -hmm. having a finishing turn. Outside of the Negro Song return and the Mick abuse with um, Dragu, basically. Yeah, that was also insane at the time. Yeah. The, I think people were playing like Two Boat at some point. <laughs> yes. I don't remember the name of the card, but I just called it the Boat because oh, yeah, it's a giant. Did. Boat. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, it was just it was it was large. <laughs> it was something, all right. Yeah, it was just always funny that um. You could just always, like, still extend attacks, and then you got, like, the first attack being, like, an 18k King Serpent hitting you in the face. Yeah. And that's just, like, the smallest attack. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you put, like, a Grenache. Yeah. Right, and there if you put a Grenache. I'll go the ahead. Whale. Oh, yeah, the whale. Hmm? That's true. <laughs> Which is another beat. The whale too. just got really big on its own. <laughs> and you just Was hope it? you never have to ride it. That too. It was a 12k base at the time, so... Yeah. Which was but... not the norm at the time. What? No way! <laughs> I mean, some people forget that, or others, you know, came in at the start of V-Era, and, uh... It just wasn't that like that before they got mm -hmm. there. So we yeah. basically just did a roundabout yeah. way of saying, back in my day... Yeah, it really was. Speaking of V-Era... Oh, yeah. What about, what Do we about want to start transitioning into Grand Blue and Vieira? Sure. We're already a half hour in, so. Yeah. But it's so uh, cool. yeah. <laughs> Turns out Night Rose is but really I dang. I love Jeep Grand Blue. It's so sweet. I know. Yeah. It was just such a fun deck to play. 
It really was. It got a lot of people interested in Grand Blue too. Um, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that you know, like um, um, we were trying to transition into the Viera is that learning Grand Blue. One of the the reasons that people lose with the Grand Blue deck is actually deck out. And I know that you know Nairos was one of those decks that had accelerated million and all that kind of stuff and drawing. So you really had to learn how to manage your resources. And that is still, quote-unquote, a problem today. But it, it makes that uh, it makes the player actually learn the deck and actually manage it well, too. So I think we can transition into the Viera now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. So uh, Grand Blue came in Viera with uh, its original boss monster being Bastkirk. Um, and a much slower style of uh, gameplay for itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rather than being Force or Excel like we expected, they went the route of making it protect and kind of eliminated that multi-attacking potential that it had during the G era. Yeah, I was very shocked, too, because, like, um, I mean, it's still used today. We have the Megiddo uh, Ultimate Stride, and um, I think we skipped that by accident, but Megiddo does play a role in, in Granblue in general. Cause, um, yeah. So the Megiddo Stride is basically on place, kind of blessed to call up to five regards they get plus five and basically they they swap with each other they get that ability yep. and you're able to basically um with night rose you're able to get so many attacks with it too um but now into the viera did skull dragon came out in that first set too or was yeah. it later it was the first yeah skull dragon was first set yeah yeah so we had Baskrick now as a main vanguard in premium that you could just like stride into I mean, not right into, but you can ride him as Vanguard and do your stride thing. But now we had access to another grade three as a Rigard, which was Skull Dragon. And Skull Dragon, both Vanguard Circle and Rigard Circle, he gained uh, 2k for every card in the drop zone. And if you really think about it, you can get that guy pretty big, uh, pretty fast. And so the longer the game went, the more deadlier Skull Dragon became. And then it also became what is known today, the Megiddo. Um, Skull Dragon turn basically. Yep. Four Skull Dragon, one Night Storm, pure genius. <laughs> exactly. So you have all these Skull Dragons attacking and they retire themselves, and basically at the last couple battles, you can revive one more Skull Dragon. And it, it's funny because each one kills itself and gives 2k more technically to the other ones. So it's also powering them up <laughs> as you're going. It, it's just kind of funny, but. It's really powerful, and honestly, we still use it today to really put the nail in the coffin in, in most ma- in some matchups, to be honest. Yeah. I just like that with the way timing works in Vanguard, you can have them switch positions before it offs itself. Yes. Like, you wouldn't be able to do that in Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh would be like, sorry guys, it misses time, and go fuck yourself. But, <laughs> or Chainlink, yeah. chain link too. <laughs> <laughs> and then, as far as standard goes, Ramblue just I think Grand Blue was like somewhat relevant and standard in the beginning just because Protect as a gift was very strong in the early days of Viera, but then just kind of fell off. Mm-hmm. Part of it, I think, is because because of Grand Blue's mechanic, being able to just bring back stuff from the drop. Mm-hmm. And I think that since it was the beginning of Viera, so many clans only got so much support because it was the first wave. Yeah. But and just then, that inherent like, mechanic, it just helped. Things Go like ahead. hand sizes being more limited, too. 
Yeah, that too, as well. That's very true. One of the things that I really enjoy about Protect clans, like Grand Blue and Nugatama and so many other clans, that you could just rewrite Grade 3, and then you mm-hmm. just improve the hand quality, like, for nothing, basically. And you get plus one in the saw. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, having a having a crit at all times without really having to do anything um, was very good that early. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Once you hit a certain number of cards in the drop, right? Yeah, it was once you hit 10 cards. And then with Kokaitis, it was 20 cards, but he got more power with his yes. crit. But it also took longer to get there, and by that point, more decks were starting to speed up. So it became this kind of awkward game of trying to speed your way to 20 cards in drop zone and then immediately stop all momentum of milling. And you're like, <laughs> ah, okay, I need to slow down, pressure the opponent with crits, try not to, oh, by deck out, deck out, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I mentioned that is still kind of a problem today, that if, if you're not playing the deck enough and learning it, you, you can lose yourself to deck out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true i have like, uh i have done that <laughs> there's a there's a, a meme with like night rose in it you know that the meme where it's the one dude that he's like very smart and so he's tapping his head with his two fingers or something yeah yeah it says yeah yeah exactly and so what the really the meme is is basically it's like you can't um you can't get to six damage if you deck out you know true. <laughs> So, true. I think before we transition to Kalkaitis, we got premium collection with uh, the new Obadiah's ride. That's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's definitely Big Obadiah. <laughs> and I, so, I just find ahead. that highly amusing. Is We had the, reg- oh, the original stride was Ghosty Great King Obadiah, and then it's Ghosty Great Emperor Big Obadiah. <laughs> it does. It's so obnoxious. <laughs> it's funny. <clears throat> and so for and for those that know, it basically uh, during the during the main phase, you can counter blast one, flip anything in the G zone, and then you could actually go into your deck and mill up to five cards of your choosing, and send them to the drop zone, right? And then you can call two units for every face up card in the G zone. So if you fro- first show this. You would get two cards if you g guarded and then showed into this you would get four cards and then anything after that you get full board and each of those units also got plus five on top of that so the stride did a lot just for one counter blast mm-hmm. yeah especially since in premium uh people like denying cv against x that can really use it a lot yes. so it doing it for a very cheap cost is really 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 big yeah Mm-hmm. Plus being able to you... set up the Medito turn by going, all right, I'm going to take these three Skull Dragons and this Nightstorm out of deck and put them in drop. Yes, that's also true. Yeah. And um, before like Obadiah came out, we were still relying on Gauche for first stride, so cards like Romario helped out with that too, with building the Sol. Um, Romario is a, a solid grade one, so his skill is basically when rode upon. You can kind of blast, put a card into the soul from hand, and then mill three cards, and then add any card from the drop zone to hand. Except, um, did he did he restrict? I can't remember. I just it's green shade that restricts. Yeah, so you could just did grab anything restrict? that you. What was that? 
Sorry, what were you asking? If uh, Romario restricted what you grab from the drop zone. I don't think so. Uh, it's just great shape. don't think so. Just return anything from drop to hand after you yeah. pay the cost. Yeah, he's generic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just wanted to double check that. Because some cards are very specific. And so you added another card into Soul on top of that. And then when you do your first strike turn, you can actually Soul Blast more for Gauche and still have that first solid strike turn. But then Obadiah came out. And Obadiah was actually an also first stride, like a good first stride turn as well, because you're able to get your combo pieces and still work with what you got on top of that. Mm hmm. So. So now that we're more or less uh, caught back up to the present, uh, what sort of tools is Grand Blue working with now? So I guess that leads into the Kakaida set. <laughs> um, I think that was my glorious justice. And so yep. Yep. one of the most impactful cards that we have today is Greed Shade. So Greed Shade has two skills. The first skill is Vanguard uh, Rearguard Circle. It gets plus five if you have 10 or more cards in the drop zone um, during your turn. So it was a little 14k beater. Useful in the early game if you got that many cards in the drop zone. So you can hit over 10k grade twos, like in Force Clans. And then in the stride turns, you were able to hit Banger by itself too, which promoted the extending turns where you do four or five attacks. The second skill is really what made the difference. Is basically on rear guard when it's placed, you can discard a card, mill two, and then grab anything except for itself. This gave you the ability to fix your hand because if you drew into Squall Dragon or another card like Ghost Ship, you couldn't do anything with them. And so it was best to discard those cards and then actually build up a drop zone and get something that was useful. Um, most of the time, it's actually shield value. That could be like a heal trigger. So in premium, you can G-Guard, and then you have perfect guards, and then any other combo pieces that you really want to work with as well on top of that. So like a copy of the Vanguard for ultimate stride or another card just to be able to break ride for later on as well. Yeah. And, um... Anything else you guys want to say on that card? Uh, I, I thought it was if you if it attacked and you had more cards in hand than the opponent, it got 3k. Oh, wait. I'm looking at the wrong Wait one. a minute. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, what? what's kind of sad, I, I didn't know Grichet was a card until the V-Series, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, this card existed back then. Oh, uh, that's why. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad. Like... 8k, I got plus 3. Yeah. Talk about overcosted? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm glad they, uh, they they did these like reboot cards where car you know maybe the original version of it just didn't do anything, and now they get to redo the effect and mm -hmm. it has more mm -hmm. of an impact. Matt, what were mm -hmm. you gonna say? Uh, the Grand Blue deck also uh, benefited a bit from having uh, like Hanali as well, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want me to go into that, or do you want to go into that? We were talking about what tools they had, so I thought it was a good time to bring it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to explain uh, it no, you please, No, you please do. Okay. <laughs> That's what I wanted to talk. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, my bad. Um, uh, just to segue a little bit, um, just to make it clear, Greed Shade with Obadiah literally means you can get anything from your deck to your hand. And so we're able to attack cards, and that's where really Hanali shines. And so Hanali has two skills. I'll just mention the, the sucky skill is basically when it's placed, you turn one of your face-up damage to face-down, so you forcefully counter-blast. But the skill that really mattered is basically when a rearguard would attack a vanguard, and it's the fifth battle or more that turn, you have to counter-blast. 
And so really what you use that was against matchups, um, specifically like Excel clients that just started generating multiple Excel circles. A good one was Ezel. And so it really helped you just kind of like survive those turns. And at first, like one kind of less, um, maybe something that you're not able to control with. But one of the things that I realized, and it's thanks to watching people like uh, Jeremy playing at Worlds, you're able to just grab two Connollys and just call them. <laughs> so basically, if anybody was trying to attack after that, they would have to play two counterblasts for a single <laughs> attack. And that's a little more like, you can't do crap, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. That's just mean. I never... Usually people just have the one Connolly and they're like, yeah, good enough. But to pay two counterblasts, that's just devious. Mm-hmm. And it even comes up sometimes with certain matchups, like Aqua Force is a good example too. Um, Noble Grapplers and many other matchups, but really for the the meta game, it was definitely for Ezel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing like mm-hmm. eighteen Excel circles on turn four. Yeah. Please. I just broke into a little dance that no one will ever see. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> like... You actually dance. Yeah, just like a little, like a little meme dance, like a, I don't know, like like mo- moving my hands around in a little circle. Oh, that's know. funny. I'll, I'll try and post a gif of it later on, on Nexus. <laughs> okay, that's really funny. Um, I think I, I, what I can talk more about the the Kokaitis build. I think it's worth talking because if you really see any of the deck profiles out there, um, good ones are like Solom's videos and of course Jeremy and I even did one recently they typically are like the same build like mostly there might be like some single one of text really but most of the core is the same thing so for example for the reason, we still have the four kokaitis we have the four skull dragon we have the one night storm mm-hmm. some people may add other grade threes or increase the night storm count but for for the most part that grade three uh, ratio those nine grade threes are pretty consistent and then we also fall into the grade twos where we have Greed Shade. We play at four for consistency reasons, and it's just a great card, both early, mid, and late game. And then we also have the Ruin Shades, which help promote with the milling. So we're playing those four four sets. And really the remaining three to four cards for the grade two slot are really the attacks. And most of the time, it's a Columbard, a Cannoneer, and a Ghost Ship. Yep. And then somebody, some people may tech in other cards. For me, I've teched King Serpent, just to have the on-demand countercharge, for mm. example. And then people can fall into the great ones, where Romario tends to be a staple. Um, some play four and some play less, maybe three or two. Or I've seen people try to cut it off, but I, I can't see cutting Romario off just yet. And then there's other, the the four PGs. So that way we can still play 12 crits mm-hmm. in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things that really <laughs> was funny with Vieira was we got draw PGs. And normally in class, that's awesome, but in Grand Blue, it was like, uh, we have a draw in Grand Blue. <laughs> it's just kind of weird. You were like, I think, um... Grand, I think Grand Blue is the only clan that's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really made you think, like, this is nice, but I don't know. And <laughs> when you come close to deck out and you still have one of those in deck, you're like, oh, if I drive check it, I'm going to die. You know, <laughs> one of those moments. I had that happen to me mm-hmm. once where it was like locals or something. And I'm like, all right, you got three cards left in deck. I see, uh, you know, my, my draw PG is either in damage drops or whatever. 
And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you should be fine. Drive check, nothing. And you're like, okay, might be out of the woods. Second check, draw trigger. Fuck! Like, <laughs> my screams of agony echoing off the walls of this locals. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Sorry, but we also we ultimately fell back onto the grade one PGs and. Luckily, we got a new set of PGs where if you place it on a Vanguard Circle, you can actually draw one and discard one. Which, hey, which really helped the drop zone. Right, exactly, which helped the consistency of Grand Blue's just game, overall game plan. Killing the drop zone, fixing your hand, and just really one of those right targets that you actually want to ride to, which is cool. And then, of course, you got like text like Connolly, for example, or the Rebel Banshee to Soul Blast one, draw a card, get plus four, so it's a 12k booster or attacker. And you can even try, like, the Cutlass engine if you want to as well. So there's a little more variance in the Grade 1s. And then, of course, on the Grade zeros, you have the 12 crits. And then, of course, heal triggers. And um, I think one of the things that I wanted to highlight about the deck is, like, why is Grand Blue such a, a good deck in general, too? So I think it dives down to... I, I like to break down the game in turns. So it's like, what does your Grade 1 turn look like? What does your grade two turn look like? What does your grade three turn look like? And what does your first strike turn look like? And Grand Blue has the ability to have a solid grade three turn. So if you decide, depending on the situation and game state, you may actually write to grade three at first and quote unquote give up the first stride to your opponent. But with the interaction of Kaikaitis of being just, you know, kind of last one, bring back two units plus any more in the grade threes in the soul. The wording is really weird for that card. <laughs> So, yeah, if yes. you have any grade threes, basically you call two cards, and if you have any grade threes, you plus one for each grade three you have in the soul. So you can call full field eventually if you have enough grade threes in the soul. But you're able to call units on your grade three turn, and so you can utilize Greed Shade, you could utilize Ripple Banshee, you can use these cards to generate advantage, get heal triggers, so you can actually live the next turn. And because Gakaitis is a protective marker vanguard, you'll get a protect um, protect one, so you have a sentinel. So you can really set yourself up defensively and still apply some pressure on grade three turn, and then they do their thing, and then you G-guard, and then you come back with like an Obadiah, and if you G-guard it again, you can probably Megiddo if you if it's really set up at that point. Mm-hmm. So those are, those are the things that I like to like break down. Like, what is my grade three turn look like? Because like, if I were, let's say, go back to Night Rose, I would probably die, you know, because <laughs> yeah. your grade three turn doesn't do anything because it's a Giera card. I mean, it's funny you say that yeah. because, was it, around September? We're getting yep. a The next of wave of Grand Blue support is Night Rose. Yeah, so mm-hmm. with that being in mind, uh, I, I was going to mm-hmm. ask, like, looking toward the future of Grand Blue, um, yeah. with this new Night Rose stuff coming out, what do you want to see from it? in a premium context. Like, obviously, standard, they're probably gonna maybe probably try and do their own thing, or they'll try and bring back the multi-attack, but mm-hmm. what would you like to see from this next wave of Night Rose coming up in, in the next <clears throat> few months? Um, obviously, a lot of players would like the aesthetic of Night Rose back from the Giera days. I'm and... shocked. Right. <laughs> Why are you shocked? <laughs> Sarcastically so? <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. What? Yeah. <laughs> but um, um, I think one of my um, I wouldn't say bias, but one of the things that have impacted 
my view and expectation of the future set is really the newest premium collection. Mm. And that's with the new strain and new crits. So that'll be next week. <laughs> is that okay if I cover a little bit about them? Why? Yeah, that's fine. I was yeah, about to ask you anyways. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I'm excited for that. So, um, I mean, the crits, obviously, you can discard them for the cost of strike, which is phenomenal because a lot of the time we have to be careful um, how many Skull Dragons or other grade threes that we, you know, mill with Obadiah because then we have potentially a harder time of actually striding with one card. And then at that point, we start ditching two or three cards, which is pretty bad in any situation. So you have to be, like, careful about that. And that those crits really help that. And then, of course, there's just more consistency of just striding. Then the stride bad bounty is phenomenal <laughs> so basically at the end of the battle you can kind of blast um it'll go back to g zone and then you can choose a grade three from your drop and write it as stan onto your vanguard you have to discard three cards too um, so it's a restanding stride um it doesn't flip anything in the g zone which is really odd so basically it just like removes itself and here's a new grade three vanguard that you can work with but it's a restanding stride and so What's different is that it doesn't call rearguards. And most Vanguard uh, units in Grand Blue actually call rearguards. So you're in this position where like you had to have a field set up, whether you already had it prior or you had to set it up to make some decent multi-attacks with the rearguard columns and also take advantage of a restanding Vanguard attack, basically. And a lot of things that shine was some of the old stuff and the new stuff just working together. So that's where the expectation comes in, is that basically right now with the original Night Rose and Grade 3 Nightmiss, you can basically do like a pseudo Megiddo turn. And so what I mean by that is basically if you're a Limit Break 4, if you have a Limit Break 4 enabler, you can break right on your right face with a Nightmiss, with another Nightmiss, call two Skull Dragons, stride into the new Bad Bounty stride, poke with the Skull Dragons, then attack Vanguard, any triggers, put them on the booster behind Vanguard still that hasn't boosted yet, so you could save it for the next attack. Re-ride into, let's say, a Skull Dragon or a Night Rose. Now do Night Rose, for example. You break ride during the battle phase with the OG Night Rose, and you break ride again, so you bring back two, the two same Skull Dragons that died back to the field. So then you can actually attack with Vanguard first, apply any of the triggers. So if you double crit, you put them on the Skull Dragon, the Vanguard column, especially if you put any triggers on the booster. So typically, it's a 21k Vanguard because you broke right, plus the booster. Ideally, we're Mario because it's a 12k booster. So it can hit over 30k pretty easily with twin drive. And then you have your regards, poke with Skull Dragon, poke with Skull Dragon. And because of Natro's GB2 scale, you can re revive one of the Skull Dragons and get another attack yet in. Or otherwise, you can just rewrite a Skull Dragon and your Vanguard is just a Skull Dragon that's also super, super humongous on its own too. So it's like a pseudo Megiddo turn per se. So uh, one thing I, one question I have for the for the premium Glam Blue deck is, uh, so the G-Zone I notice has a lot of counterblast cost in it. Uh, is there a, really an option for Grand Blue if they're being denied Counterblast? What do you mean, an option for Counterblast? Uh, so, like, all the strides require Counterblast, right? Yeah, pretty much all of them. Do you play, do you, 
Oh yeah. Uh, what what what? So what's uh, Grand Blue do if they're in a position where they uh, like, let's say, against some Gize deck, where they're just like, you know, being turtled upon? <laughs> uh, there's two ways, um, or three ways actually. So let's say you're just using the Kakaitis build. Mm-hmm. Um, you have access to Grenache, and you have access to King Serpent if you decide to play it. So with Grenache, you can make sure that you still end up with two Counterblasts. So whatever you already committed that turn with Counterblasting, Grenache is going to refund two back. And so that way it prevents any damage to nine, unless mm-hmm. you're facing something that forces Counterblast on you, but I don't think that exists right now. And the other one is like King Serpent. And so if you do have one Counterblast per se, one of the things that I like to do with Obadiah with King Serpent, it's just called Full Field, pull King Serpent in the back behind the Vanguard, and it refunds the field call, right? And now you have another counterblast to work with, and you can extend to four or five attacks. Or if you're playing Seven Seas proper again, because it's, it's it's kind of a viable option now because of the new stride, you can break ride into the King Serpent and counter charge that way, and then stride, and then you have your counterblast for bad bounty and. And then the other thing you have is the the V series cutlass, right? You can buy in a cutlass, mill something, counter charge, and bring me back to the field. All right. Cool. So yeah, multiple options. Yeah. That was the other thing that I uh, I've been testing right now is really seven C's with the new stride, and all you really need is just one counter blast. With Megiddo, you need two, and if you want to do with like Nightstorm, you need a third. So it's just but, really another option to win. I feel like damage so, denial isn't going to be much of an issue. Like, especially as we uh, and I get to this stuff with Rain Element and Zazan. Again, next week we're covering it, don't worry. Um, and like, j- right, I feel like... Yeah. Living Proof brought this up on his channel where uh, he was saying that he thinks the game is going to be kind of turned on its head and instead of how much damage can you control on the opponent? It's how fast can you deal the opponent and kill them? Where it's going to become a more rush-heavy format. To the point where uh, he had Matt on his channel to uh, do the math on how likely is it that you will draw Zazan. I need to finish that math, actually, because I did it before uh, like draw for turn and before uh, mm-hmm. like draw off the V-starter. It's not done. So there's no. So there's a lot more to do. So I did it. Oh if uh, I did it post mulligan, okay. And so that's already a lot of work because there are 14 cases you have to consider. Um, so well, fi- well, either you get it or there are 14 other cases. So whatever right. you want to count that as. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna start there, and then like I need to still count, but then I need to like look at all the cases where you're like one card away. And see yeah. what the odds are you draw um, into it, and then the uh, if you don't draw into it, you get another draw for the uh, for the on ride V starter. So then you have a you know right. you have another shot there. So I need to do all that math, and then I need to do the math if you're two cards away that you draw a runner runner and get there. Right, the probability and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah so it's and and it, but, but before any of that, with twenty vanillas in your deck. The odds of you having Zazan and two Vanillas at the start of the game, assuming you're hard mulling for Zazan, is 46%. Before your draw for oh. turn, and before the V-starter draw. So it's actually like pretty high. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. And I think both that's decks that... are going to have more Vanillas, just conveniently. Yeah. So it's going to be way higher than that. 
that's actually going to dive into part of the expectation with the new set. It's like the other side of the con. If Sazan is a thing, you know, because some people are attacking like Sazan may not actually make it to tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> so with finishing the expectation of without Sazan in the picture, um, because we have access to all of this stuff, Night Rose, like for like the V series retrain, what I would like to see it is just being able to promote extension of attacks during the battle phase because it's also something different that standard can have because if you really think about it kokaitis is just a better beefed up version than um Baskirk. and yeah. so it hasn't really had anything different the, go ahead in the case of like Baskirk and uh kokaitis and just grand blue before giera it became kind of like drop zone paladins where you're like all right just make a board yes out of your drop zone and in G era, it felt more something like, uh, I don't know, Pale Moon? or Like my regards actually do something. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah. Or, or just you're trying to get multi-attacks by pulling out of the same place over and over. Like Gear Chronicle mm -hmm. got compared to it a lot because that's exactly what it was. You were just multi-attacking by time-leaping multiple times yeah. per battle phase. So They were very similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think... Like, Pan, uh, Pale Moon and Grand Blue get compared a lot, um, not just because the two characters who played it in Giera were, like, buddies, but also because uh. of where they got their attacks from, which is build up a place and call things out of it. Yep. That's a very good uh, comparison, actually. Yeah. And with just having some variety or spice to the new night roses maybe something like phantasm where on attack kind of blast call two two units and not restricted to like a front circle and and a back row circle like actually be able to like call two units to attack twice or maybe make a column if you really want to so it gives a little more spice to um standard at that point mm -hmm. and then for premium you have the bounty side right you can Rewrite into the new night rose, and if it's the, it if it extends attacks, then you could just call skull dragons as well, and kind of go from there really. Mm -hmm. And because you have the night rose name, you have access to previous night rose support. Negrobrone and Negrolazy are kind of hard to fit because of all the um the base numbers of vanguard now, because like 12k vanguards, 13k vanguards, the the triggers are 10k power up now, so. Yeah. If they got a trigger, it really makes it hard to hit phenomenal numbers to really make them worth. And but there are some other cards that really didn't shine as much. And one of them was brought to me was Fatal Shade. Uh, Fatal Shade actually was a great one that came from Rummy Labyrinth. And basically, it's a hollow unit. At the end of the turn that it died due to hollow, if you have a Night Rose Vanguard, you can Soul Blast it, uh, Soul Blast one card, and then bottom deck it, and bring back a non-grade one unit back to board. And so, really, what this means is that you didn't have to rely on Nightbrush's GP2 skill to bring back a unit. That card can do it for you for a Soul Blast and Bottom Deck it itself. So you can have access to a Cannoneer, or 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 just abuse Greed Shape per se, because um, one of the things that I did with Night Rose is that I can do basically a second strike turn, but it required on your first strike turn using one Greed Shade to get the heal trigger into your hand, and then you basically would G-Guard with Negro Lily to get basically GB3 live, and then re-enable the Greed Shade to get the copy of the Vanguard during your opponent's turn. So it was very... It was kind of, like, fragile, because it was so, um, like, geared to that. 
but now Fader Shade can call that Greed Shade a second time that same turn, and you can really get the copy of the Vanguard or just build better hand quality. So cards like that with the new Night Rose stuff would just help it actually do really good in premium. And I think I can go to the other side of the coin. So what if Sazan is a thing for Grand Blue? And what does that mean? Did you guys want me to talk about that too now? Uh, yeah. yeah, sure. Go for Go it. Go for it. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of what's going on right now is because Premium Collection has been fully revealed, so people are testing out Sazan, just abusing the engine itself because Vanilla's, you're able to plus more. You have a grade four that gets flipped called Cyclone. It gives power for units that didn't have continuous act or auto abilities. And so that's why people are playing Vanilla's too on top of that. They're just a powerhouse um, in the early game. And you're enabling generation break. So just like, what? And so Grand Blue, honestly, can use some of these cards basically using like Greed Shade. Um, a good example is that if you mill Sazan or a Tempest Sphere, you can grab it with Greed Shade and then just go off that. So the probability of actually seeing those cards early on are even better for Grand Blue. And then you have access to Columbard where generally you use Columbard to being back like a, a beater, right, like Skull Dragon. But because all your normal units are actually also getting power, it's actually good to bring back a vanilla unit with Columbard. <laughs> <laughs> 20k grade 2 vanilla, easy. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I thought that about the other day. I was like, wow, that moment when you realize it's actually good, you know. <laughs> and there's just so many things that you can do because Grand Blue is able to just grab stuff from the, the drop song thanks to Greed Shade. And so I'm not saying it's going to be the best deck or anything like that, but it does have options with Zazan. And if Vanillas are the way to go, then your grade three slots look entirely different. And we're not even sure if that point would Night Rose be useful. And it really just depends on her skill or if Kakaitis is even useful and you just play the Skull Dragons. And it just really brings up a lot of those questions. And so some people are like ban Zazan and some people are like free Zazan. <laughs> So. I've not met very very many in Camp 2. Uh, I, I think most people... Well, I guess some people are like, let it ride for now. And then, you know, see if there's something that people can adapt to. But mm -hmm. uh, my my uh, optimism is not high. I The camp I fall in is if everyone's super, no one is. Yeah, like, but the... the, 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 the okay, I'm, can I just say something? Oh, sorry. The Calico thing I get. Kill Calico. Zazan is also stupid. I just want to see what it does just for a little bit. Then you oh, sh I mean, we will. We will. Yeah. We will. Okay, there's continue. still vision events going on. There's still, like, there's still some other online events. But for the mm -hmm. most part, uh, we will see a little bit of Zazan before it, uh, if it does get the hammer, it gets it. Uh, one thing I do want to say, uh, bring up the point about if everyone's super, no one is. The only, the big problem with that kind of philosophy is that it makes things really volatile. Because when, if you try to make everything overpowered, it means like every small turn of the crank is, can be such a huge change that then, you know, you're no longer in the realm of reason. Um, so that that's kind of my issue with that, is that it becomes very chaotic. And, oh, go ahead. you know, I think we can look back at like the... V GBT 1314 era where that kind of started happening and we hated it. Well, I know we hated it, but that was still a certain number of clans. This is a Cray Elemental, which 
makes it a little different, really don't you think? Yeah, this whole premium collection just changes everything. Yeah. Like, not, in, not even just the, the Cray Elementals, but even some of the strides. And, mm-hmm. um, and where Grand Blue falls into that category, I'm not too sure yet, but it, it's still going to be a solid deck for sure, especially since it's going to get new support soon, too, on top of that. Yeah. I mean, worst case, Zan gets banned and everything's, you know, reasonable anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the, like what you were talking about, Matt, with the cranking the shaft, basically, they were doing okay with Tempesphere. Like just that card, mm-hmm. um, one well, probably one of the biggest things is because it costs a counterblast, and just like you guys were talking about living proof, it's like can you control your opponent's counterblast? And really, if you can control that, it makes it harder for a Tempesphere to resolve and get the full benefit, right? Right. But Zazan is a soul blast one, place anywhere. So cards like even Odysseus and Aqua Force can abuse it twice in turn one, which is one copy of Zazan and be Generation Break two, and then have plus four cards and just really hammer mm-hmm. and where does grand blue fall i mean it it's gonna have a harder time against those builds <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i can yeah i agree with that mm-hmm. i guess we'll have to see and we will see next week on nexus at night but i think for this time it's a good uh stopping point jaime thank you yeah. so much for coming on the show again Oh, thank you. I appreciate it, man. I know it's been a while, and like you said, uh, I went on hiatus for a little bit, but I had to get married. Yeah. <laughs> congratulations on that, by the way. Yes, congrats. Oh, thank you. you I, I didn't know if you wanted me. I didn't congrats. know if you wanted me bring it up in the middle in, at the very beginning, so I didn't. Uh... Oh no, it's perfectly fine. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I did on my channel, I never wanted to be those YouTubers where like they're doing so great, and then all of a sudden that you never hear from them like a year later or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I did a video explaining that too to any subscribers or people that were actually checking out my channel that aren't subscribed to. So like, where'd he go? I was like, oh, he made a video about it. <laughs> Wait, you like, didn't go on a hiatus. You went on a hiatus. Hiatus, right? <laughs> exactly. Did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's hilarious, actually. Yeah. Um, is it okay if I plug more of my social media? I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, where, where can people? Find uh, that's you? what we do, anyways. Yeah. Please do. Awesome. So. <laughs> For those that don't know or seen the G era, there is a character named Jaime Alcaraz that played Aqua Force, and my last name is Alvarez, so funny enough, one letter was different. <laughs> and so that's really where part of the inspiration of the name came from as one who gets crits, Commander Jaime, for the Aqua Force aesthetic. Uh, for Grand Blue, though, I have actually made a Grand Blue blog, a personal one, that just focuses on Grand Blue stuff. So on there, I talk about card spotlights or even deck analysis or tips or suggestions or new support stuff that has interest for both casual and competitive um, players and really a place of resource that people can refer to you know sometimes scouring the internet for any grand blue content for tournament purposes or even just fun is kind of limiting and just having that being able to be easily accessible and then a growing list basically helps any grand blue um, players in general so if you want to check it out it's called rogue of the seven seas that wordpress.com hence a new alias just to give the um, blog its vibe called rogue of the seven seas commander jaime so you can picture me as basically me and my fleet from aqua force going rogue and conquering the seven seas of cray so that's really how that came to be <laughs> nice. there's a nice little image with it too love it 
Yeah, um, sometimes yeah. I feel like uh, Vanguard content is like pretty sparse, especially clan-specific ones. So I, I really appreciate mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, Thank you. It, it's yeah. fun, too. And yeah. just growing there, too, and everything. I actually did an interview with somebody today that um, did pretty well with Granblue over the weekend in the Division tournament, too. So that was actually pretty cool to do, too. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we did an episode about that in the past where it was like, how come there's not more, like, clan-specific people out there? Like, your proofs and your, you know. I mean, sometimes it's hard to be that simply because Bushiroad deigns to give you support, like, once a year, maybe. Right. Like Spikes? (laughs) (laughs) Right. He he makes it work somehow. (laughs) Yeah, so they've been a lot of Vanguard Zero. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying Living Proof, uh, Living Proof is really good at what he does with Spikes, too. Mm-hmm. I don't even play Spikes, and I hop on his channel sometimes just to see <laughs> talking about his, you know, his recruit videos. <laughs> and when a new unit's um, showing up, like, all right, this is the recruit report. I'm like, all right, let's see. <laughs> yeah. I get excited. Uh, okay. I, you can do that for Grand Blue and just call it the Shipyard or something like that. Shipyard, right? <laughs> yeah. I really should start doing content for, like, BT or OTT again. Dude, yeah, there's plenty of OTT uh, stuff to do right now. <laughs> yeah, there is. I mean, are you like are you lightning fish? Right. Yes. I actually that referred to you in one of my articles. I hope I'm not sure if you actually knew about that. I don't think so. It's been a while since I've kept up with that. Although I'm going to have a tiny bit of free time to start mm-hmm. going into that stuff again. Well, you have calico, so that's something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I actually re- referred to one of your articles that you did about the end phase, and I was mm-hmm. actually I brought it up in my article because I was talking about the Night Rose end phase um, interactions, and so I was like, oh, if you want to actually dive into all the phases of the the game, check out Lightning Fish's blog on this article. That's what I did. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that awesome. article. <laughs> so I appreciate you. Yeah. That. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Um, all right, guys. I guess it's time tw- to end. You done a Twitter or anything like that? Uh, I do. Uh, I just don't remember. I think it's Jaime Elf one. Um, I'll give it to you afterwards, so that way you could just put it on there. Yeah, we'll do. Um, Matt, we're you can always find me on Facebook too. I'll oh, go ahead. You can find me on Twitter at Wiggums Two G Suzies. You can find me at Plasma Eclipse. I do the arts. And then you can find me at Atlas Novak, or you can find my other show at Bad Reading Pod. Uh, both on Twitter or Instagram, respectively. And uh, this week on Bad Reading, we have Root Beer as the guest. Um, oh, snap. Yeah. That'll be coming out this Friday, and we're doing Gundam, which... Uh, oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. It's uh, it's a good time, and we, me and my co-host didn't know anything about it, so we just looked up a crossover, and it's Gundam and Pokemon. And it did not go the way that you were expecting it to. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned for that one. And, uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. We will see you next week for the set review. I was Atlas. I'm Matt. I'm still Root Beer. And I'm Commander Jaime. See you guys. And have a good night, everybody.